0: share something really important with us this morning something that I pray will bless you for today and for many many years to come Um, and particularly in this season thank you so much thank you do keep the comments coming we love the comments here at I can community church I want to speak into your prophetic destiny from the subject seeing beyond the siege seeing beyond the siege and uh, we're going to cover a few things in this uh in this uh, sermonette today um i want to define what a siege is and then we're going to look at some scripture we're then going to um Uh, look at what a siege means for us in the modern world and why uh, we find ourselves under siege and then what to do in the siege. So let's start with a simple definition, it's a dictionary definition. A siege is a military operation in which enemy forces surround a town or building, cutting off essential supplies with the aim of compelling those inside to surrender. Wow! That is a very powerful and succinct definition of the word siege. It is a military operation in which enemy forces surround a town or a building, cutting off essential supplies. The objective, or the aim, is compelling those inside to surrender. And so I'm going to go into a passage of scripture, an episode in the life of Elisha, the prophet. And this is found in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 13 to 17. And I'm going to give a little context to the reading before I read it. Uh, what happened is that uh, the king of Syria declared war on the king of Israel. And these two countries were at war. And uh, the Syrians... Um, had developed uh, a strategy uh, a battle plan to secure victory and they positioned their troops at strategic locations and yet every time they would position their troops or mount an assault they uh, they they found out that the israelites were a step ahead of them in some cases two steps ahead of them and the king began began to suspect that there was uh, a spy in the camp someone leaking intelligence to the to the israelis so that uh, they would be several steps ahead in the battle and so when he began to inquire among his his inner circle Uh, who here is for the king of Israel? They said, none of us is for the king of Israel, but there is a man, there is a man, Elisha the prophet. He is telling the king of Israel what you are discussing in your bedroom. Wow. Don't you just love the Bible? It's just epic. Uh, They said, King, none of us is a spy. None of us is working secretly for the King of Israel, but there is a man. He is a prophet. His name is Elisha, and he is telling the King of Israel what you are discussing in your bedroom, in your secret chamber. He has ears that can hear beyond walls, and he is your problem. He's giving... Israel a strategic advantage over you by giving them advanced information and intelligence so they know where to go, where not to go, what to bring, what not to bring. And so here's where we pick up the reading. And he said, that's the king of Syria. He said, go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him saying, behold, he is in Dothan, So he was in a small town city called Dothan. That's where Elisha was. And now the king of Syria found out where he was. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Well, let's just pause there and get the story. So the king of Syria has sent a host out against one man. He has sent horses and chariots against one man, and he has sent so many that they have literally surrounded the city of Dothan. There is no way in, there is no way out. He now has the city under siege, and in the morning, the servant of the man of God, the servant of Elisha, rose up, probably looked out on the rooftop, rubbed his eyes, and what he saw horrified and terrified him. He saw horses and chariots of the Syrian army just on every side. He went, no doubt, round every side of the rooftop, and he realized we are completely surrounded by an enemy army. They found us, they know where we are, they know who we are, and they have surrounded us. And he started crying to Elisha and said, Alas, my master, how shall we do? In other words, what are we going to do? And here is Elisha's great answer. And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is such a powerful episode in the life of Elisha, and it speaks to us today loud and clear because many of us have found ourselves under siege, particularly in this time of quarantine and lockdown. There's an invisible enemy, a global pandemic. It has claimed almost 30,000 lives in the United Kingdom in a matter of weeks. And this is unprecedented. Every nation of the world is locked down and closed for business. All modes of transportation uh, effectively shut down. Even if you wanted to get away and go away somewhere, there's nowhere to go and there's no way to get there. That, my friends, is called a siege. And in our personal lives, we experience siege. In our personal lives, we experience siege. You know, we are nationally experiencing a a siege. We are globally experiencing a siege. But that does not compare with the personal sense of siege that each of us is experiencing on a daily basis. You are under siege when you are surrounded. That means there is trouble on every side. It doesn't matter which side of the rooftop you look, there's an enemy. You look to the left, there's an enemy. You look to the right, there's an enemy. You look ahead, there's an enemy. You look behind, there is an enemy. In fact, someone once defined the word circumstance as the circle in which you stand. And each of us is standing in a circle. And as we begin to look at the different facets and aspects of our lives, literally the enemy has positioned his troops right there. We're feeling it not just in our physical health, but in our mental health and in our emotional health and in our relationships, and our, the quality of our domestic life. And we're feeling it in our finances, in the economy of the nation, in our personal finances. It doesn't matter which way we look. We've, we are enduring a personal sense of siege. And how many of you know what I'm talking about? You can just shout amen in the chat box. Top right, when, you're, when you are overwhelmed, you are under siege overwhelmed means that now you're exhausted because you've exhausted your resources you've exhausted your know-how you've exhausted your equipment you've exhausted your experience and now you're tired now you're overwhelmed this whole thing is now sitting on top of you it's it's gotten on top of you it's pressing you down and it's weighing you down and it's hard to find the joy to find the peace to find the love you once knew because you're feeling overwhelmed. You're under personal siege just as surely as Elisha was under a siege. Well, uh, bottom left, when you're outnumbered, when the odds are stacked against you, you are under siege where it's not just one thing you're dealing with. It's lots of things you're dealing with and you are feeling outnumbered. And finally, you're under siege when you're cut off. You're cut off from your usual sources of strength. You know, that's perhaps uh, the thing that most of us have experienced in this lockdown. You know, there was a place that you would go when you were feeling stressed and overwhelmed and you can't go there now. There was a, there were people you could go and see or who would come and see you and you can't see them now and they can't see you now. And, um, there there was there was church. You know, we could physically go to church and meet those happy, lovely, smiling faces and experience that warmth of welcome and experience the joy of worship and and the, the ministries, the various ministries after service. And for many of us, this was the source of our strength and our nourishment. It was a form of food. But we've been cut off. We are under siege. Some folks uh, called me and said, Said Bishop, I feel like I'm under house arrest, and um, you know, of course, these are metaphors, but this is what we're experiencing, and our personal perception is our reality, and so this passage we read about the siege of Dothan and the attempt to to trap Elisha uh, is as relevant today as it was back then, because we are a generation under siege. Well, uh, why siege? Why does the enemy employ siege as a strategy against your destiny? Why? Because surrender is the objective in a siege. You see, if the enemy just wanted to kill you, then of course he would storm the city. If if, um, if the king of Syria wanted to simply kill Elisha, then he would storm the city. But instead of storming the city, he surrounds the city, to cut off supply chains, to cut off trading routes, to make it impossible for goods and services to come in or to go out, knowing that eventually Elisha is going to run out of food, the people are going to run out of basic supplies, and they'll just surrender Elisha. They'll say, Elisha, we can't live like this. We're going to have to surrender you. So the objective in a siege is surrender. And I'm here to tell you, Bishop Wayne Malcolm, the business bishop, is here to tell you that the enemy wants you to surrender in this season. Because, see, that is the objective of the enemy, when he's cutting you off and overwhelming you and outnumbering you and surrounding you. The objective is to get you to surrender. He knows that he cannot come in and take you. He knows that he cannot physically grab you. He knows that he is limited in his ability to paralyze your purpose. He knows that he has his limitation. But if he can get you to surrender... If he can get you to throw your hands up and quit, then he will have won a decisive victory over your destiny. So the objective is surrender. And I want to talk about three forms of surrender that we must never, never, ever surrender. Never surrender ever give up. I know that it's hard. I know that it's, that it's tough. I know that it feels impossible when you are under siege, but do not surrender to these three enemies. Number one, do not surrender to fear. Do not surrender to fear. That's allowing fear to control your thoughts, your words, and your deeds. You know, when the, when the devil is allowed, when he gets permission to make movies in our mind and to create scenarios that are frightening to us, then he is going to take that space because he was given it by permission, by surrender, Well, the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we are not going to allow fear to control our thoughts. We're not going to allow fear to control our words. And we are not going to allow fear to control our deeds because we will not surrender in this siege. Number two, do not surrender to despair. Despair is the opposite of hope and hope is a way of enduring hardship. It is the light at the end of a tunnel. But when you can see no light at the end of a tunnel, and when you cannot see a bright future for yourself, you have surrendered to despair. We will not surrender to despair. The definition here is agreeing with the enemy that you have no future worth fighting for. Hey, come on, somebody shout to me in the chat box. I disagree fundamentally with the enemy that suggests that I have no future worth fighting for. I disagree fundamentally with the enemy suggesting to you that you have no future worth fighting for. In fact, I'm going to declare to you prophetically by the word of the Lord that God's thoughts and plans for you are good. They are not evil. They are to give you hope and a future, that actually your best days are ahead of you. And it is important that we keep rehearsing this and confessing this and declaring this and proclaiming this, because if we fail to declare it, we will have surrendered to despair. My best days are ahead of me. This is my finest hour. The best is yet to come. My latter will be greater. You've got to begin to see victory in your future, uh, deliverance in your future, peace in your future, prosperity in your future, promotion in your future. You've got to begin to see it and declare it and affirm it and celebrate it even in the siege, because this means you have not surrendered to despair and finally do not surrender to unbelief do not surrender to unbelief that is agreeing with the enemy that god has abandoned you or that he cannot help you see i fundamentally disagree with the enemy that this covid-19 this global pandemic this economic reset uh this economic earthquake i do not agree that this is a sign of God's abandonment. Uh, to the contrary, I think that God is all up in it. I think that God is working mysteriously behind the scenes, his wonders to befo- to perform. I think that the setback is a setup for a breakthrough. I think that God is up to something, especially when you're down to nothing. I will not surrender to unbelief. I will not surrender to despair, and I will not surrender to fear. And somebody shout, Amen, glory, hallelujah. Praise be to God. So now this goes on to the question, what shall we do? And this was the question that Elisha's servant asked him. said, Master, alas, what shall we do? What are we going to do? Uh, we're outnumbered. We are surrounded. We are overwhelmed. We are cut off. What are we going to do? And I love the answer that Elisha gave. He said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Then he said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes. Wow, I'm going to say all of that again because it's too rich. Elisha's answer in a siege, which represents the prophetic answer in a siege. It is the prophetic voice of the Holy Spirit speaking into your siege situation and saying to you, fear not, do not be afraid of the enemy know that those that you have more going for you than you do coming against you. You have to know that there are more on your side than there is uh, on the enemy's side. You have to fear not and know certain things, which is different to feeling certain things. Notice Uh, I didn't say you need to feel, I said you need to know, because the only thing that can counteract the negative feeling, the disempowering feeling, is knowledge, is absolutely knowing. And so fear not, he says, and know that those that are with us are more than those that are with them. (laughs) This is deep. He was saying, don't be afraid, uh, Gehazi, which was his servant. He said, don't be afraid. He said, They are outnumbered. It's not that we are outnumbered. They are outnumbered. It's not that we are surrounded. They are surrounded. It's not that we are overwhelmed. They are overwhelmed. It's not that we are cut off. They are cut off. In other words, let's turn the narrative. Let's twist the story. Let's find a new perspective, as Minister Allison said today. Let's find a new perspective and begin to realize it is not you that is in trouble. It is the devil that's in trouble. It is the enemy that's in trouble right now. And then you have to see something. This is so beautiful. He said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes. We're not talking about your physical eyes. We're talking about the eyes of your understanding. And we're talking about the eyes of faith. Because faith is a sensory perceptor that allows us to perceive the invisible. To perceive the things that are beyond physics... Uh, Your faith allows you to perceive reality that science cannot study because it cannot be trapped in a test tube or, or imprisoned by a laboratory. Your faith transcends it. And so the eyes that must be open now are the eyes of our understanding and the eyes of our faith. Because with open eyes, what you're going to see is, number one, a strong God. You're going to see God strong and mighty and powerful and glorious and triumphant and victorious. That's what we need to see, not after the siege, but before and during the siege. These are the things that we need to see with the eyes of our understanding. And what we need to see is that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. How many of you can see it right now? Woo! Greater is he that is in you. That is the Holy Spirit of the living God. That is the force and the power and the intelligence that created heaven and earth. Is living inside of your spiritual mind. And therefore, what I see is a strong God. Number two, top right, you need to see a weak enemy. You know, the enemy specializes in propaganda. Propaganda is his chief weapon against the believer. He will magnify himself and try to diminish you. He will amplify his abilities while trying to diminish yours. The truth of the matter is that when you get in the spirit and you begin to see the enemy from divine perspective, you'll realize how small, how ignorant, and how incapable he is of destroying your destiny. You must realize now that the enemy is outnumbered uh, because the enemy is surrounded by an army of angels. That's what uh, Elisha's servant saw. He saw that what he thought had surrounded him was now in fact surrounded by an angelic army from God. It is your enemy, my friend, that is surrounded right now. It is your enemy that is overwhelmed. It is your it is your enemy right now that is uh cut off. It is your enemy that is under siege. Because your enemy made the silly mistake of attacking you. That's how how foolish was that? Uh you know, whoever touches you touches the apple of God's eye. And uh, God is duty and word bound to defend you in the middle of this storm. You must now see with your new eyes certain victory. Certain victory. Victory is not our hope. I'm going to say it again victory is not our hope, it is our promise and certain destiny. That is guaranteed. Your victory, your ultimate triumph has been guaranteed. It was purchased on that old rugged cross. It was purchased with the blood of the Savior of the world. It was purchased for us at Calvary. Victory is certain. Whatever happens in this life, guess what? You will enjoy eternal life in glory with Christ. Victory is certain. And finally, ultimate triumph. We have to see the ultimate triumph. You have to see that what the enemy meant for evil will ultimately serve uh, our prophetic purpose. In other words, whatever the enemy uh, constructed against your calling it is only going to accelerate and advance you. You know, when Joseph was, was sold into Egypt by his brothers with from a wicked heart, that was evil. That was the devil. It was meant for evil. But God turned it around for Joseph's good. Little did they know they were only positioning him for his next promotion. Well, when the enemies of Daniel uh, conspired to 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 have him executed for the high crime of treason, um, little did they know that the lion 's den was not in fact going to kill Daniel; it was going to catapult his career into the into into realms and dimensions that were unprecedented. You see, whatever, and and finally, when, when the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Scribes, and the Sanhedrin Council conspired to have Jesus of Nazareth executed, the Bible says that if the princes of this world would have known what God would bring out of the cross, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. And I stop by to tell you that if the devil had any idea the glory and the victory and the prosperity and the success that God will bring out of this present season, he never would have embarked on this mission to terrorize the world. So I'm here to tell you that beneath, beyond, and behind the surface of a situation, there is God. Moving in mysterious ways. We just need eyes to see, spiritual eyes to see, binoculars that can see beyond the walls. We need to see that beneath, beyond, and behind the surface of your situation, God is moving in mysterious ways, His wonders to perform. What you see in this siege will determine your success. Or surrender what you see in the siege will determine your success or surrender remember Elisha's servant could only see the armies of the Syrians surrounding him the odds stacked against him cut off outnumbered he saw in the natural and he was ready to surrender but Elisha could see in the spiritual and refused to surrender. In fact, I'd love to tell you how the story pans out because it's actually quite exciting. You see, because Elisha could see in the spirit, and he could see by faith with the eyes of his understanding, that actually it is God who was entrapping their armies. It was God making a statement. It was God who was in complete control the whole time. So here's what Elisha did. Here's how the story pans out. Elisha prayed that God would open the eyes of his servant, and when his servant's eyes were opened, his servant could see that there were more with him, with with the prophetic, than there was against them. But the next prayer that Elisha prayed is equally fascinating. He prayed for the Syrian army, and he said, Lord, smite them with blindness, smite them with blindness. So he prayed that God would open the eyes of his servant, but that he would blind the enemy. And the whole army was blinded, and Elisha walked straight out of the city of Dothan, went up to them and said, Gentlemen, uh, apparently you cannot see. Where is it you want to go? And they said, Oh, we, we want to go over here. He said, Well, follow me. And he led their entire army, and he took them straight back to their home country. And then when they had gotten to their home country, he said, Now, Lord, open their eyes. And when they opened their eyes, they had made no progress whatsoever. Let me tell you something. One day the devil's going to wake up and realize he has made no progress in his attack on you. He has not gotten one step further in his assault on your life. Actually, he took five steps forward and 15 steps backwards. And this is going to be the outcome for you. If that's going to be your outcome, just shout amen in the chat box there's a reason why some people cannot see in the spiritual realm i'm going to read it to you it says jesus speaking in john 3 verse 3 jesus answered and said unto him verily verily i say unto thee except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of god you see it takes a new birth in jesus christ to see the kingdom in action And when you cannot see the kingdom in action, it's because you're operating, confined to, limited by, bound and restricted by, the natural realm. We have to ascend, take our seat in Christ, and sit in the heavenly places where we can laugh at every conspiracy against our destiny. The new birth is new life in a new world of wonders and possibilities. In this realm that we live through Christ, all things are possible. There are no impossibilities. God is in control. Victory is certain, and the ultimate triumph has already been secured. You've been listening to a live sermon at ICANN Community Church. We hope that you feel inspired, informed, and empowered to take your life to the next level. We want to build a relationship with you, whether you attend ICC or not. Of course, we would love for you to visit or even to join. But if that's not possible, we can still stay in touch. Go to our website at www.icancommunitychurch.com and subscribe to our mailing list for updates on special events which may be coming to an area near you. Until next time, This is Bishop Wayne Malcolm saying God bless you.